Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. So, God, I just pray today that you would meet us in a special way in a classroom and in our service. We thank you that you are such a good friend and such a good father to us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. You guys can go downstairs. Give our kids a hand this morning. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful that we have a God who hears us, a God who's faithful to answer us? I'm so thankful for that this morning. Well, we are continuing our series on the 16 fundamental truths that I have good news. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of those 16 fundamental truths. It's been a long series, but I trust that it's been an informative series, and it's been a series that you're going to be able to take away with you and share with others why you believe what you believe, right? Because that is so important when somebody comes and questions our faith that we're able to confidently share with them why we believe what we believe and that we're able to find it in the Word of God. And so we're going to continue our series this morning. We're going to review just a little bit. So I'm going to put some of those on. I made it easier on you guys today. I'm not going to make you fill in the blanks. So we're just going to go through and we're going to read them together today. The first fundamental truth is the scriptures inspire. Then we have the one true God, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fall of man. How many of you are thankful for the salvation of man? We have the ordinances of the church. Then we move on to number seven, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Thank the Lord that he's still working on us for sanctification. We have the church and its mission, the ministry, divine healing. Then Pastor Debbie shared with us about the blessed hope. And today we're going to talk about the millennial reign of Christ. And I'm so excited to talk about that with you today. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Debbie preached about the blessed hope, the rapture of the church. Scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a what? With a shout and with the voice of the archangel. 
angel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will ever be with the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful promise to look forward to? And so we will always be with the Lord, that blessed hope, that rapture of the church, that idea of being caught up or being snatched away to meet the Lord in the air. What a day. What a glorious day that will be. And so the second coming of Christ, we have the blessed hope when the church is raptured, but there's a little bit more that goes along with that second coming of Christ. There's a lot that we get to look forward to. And so there's a, there's a great debate out there among Christians whether or not the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation. And it goes kind of all over the place. And so as an Assemblies of God church, the Assemblies of God believes that the rapture of the saints is going to happen prior to that seven years of tribulation. That's the mindset that's known as pre-trib or pre-tribulation. There was a position paper that was adopted by the General Presbytery of the Assemblies of God in 1979, and it stated this. It says, since scripture does not contradict itself, it seems reasonable to conclude that the passages describing Christ coming for the saints and with the saints indicate two phases of his coming. We believe it is scripturally correct to assume that the intervening period between the two is the time when the world will experience the great tribulation involving the reign of Antichrist and the outpouring of God's wrath on the wicked. Although God's people may endure severe trials before the Lord comes, the church would be raptured before the period called the Great Tribulation, and that's the stance of the Assemblies of God on when that, that's going to take place. But I want you to see a distinction this morning in Scripture. So we believe that following the rapture, there's going to be that seven years of tribulation after which Jesus returns to earth with his saints. That's us, and that he will rule and reign for a thousand years. That's that millennial reign of Christ. And here's the distinction between the rapture of the church and when Jesus comes back with the saints. If you read through Matthew chapter 24, you're going to find all kinds of signs of the times. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 39 describes the rapture of the church. Scripture says they were oblivious until the flood came and swept them all away. This is referring to the time of Noah. Scripture also assures us that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So Scripture says they were oblivious until the flood came and swept them all away. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Notice scripture says they were oblivious. Oblivious. Take a look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7 as it pertains to the second coming of Christ with his saints to rule and reign for a thousand years. It says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Notice the distinction between the two passages. Every eye will see him when he returns with his saints. Not the case with the rapture. 
The world around us will be oblivious. What is it that's just happened? Scripture says that he will come as a thief in the night. I want to stop here for just a moment this morning because the reality is, is that Jesus could come back at any moment, right? He could come back any day, any time, any hour. It could happen in the middle of service this morning because Scripture says that no man knows the day or the hour, not the angels, not even the Son himself. Only the Father in heaven knows when he's going to send Jesus to receive his bride. I think that today we are living in a world that wants to desensitize us. And I want you to hang on here with me for just a moment, just a moment. And I want you to think about this. We live in one of the greatest technological ages in history. And I'm a fan of technology. I'm not speaking out against technology. We live in one of the greatest technological ages in history. But you cannot keep up with the ever-changing technology. You know, sooner get an update, and then there's a new version, and then there's another update, and that you just cannot keep up with it. But what is happening is that we are programming computers. We are programming smartphones. We're programming things to think for us, right? Programming things to think for us. So the other day, Darren and I were over at Westview and we were about ready to cross on the pedestrian crosswalk. And this car flew past us and we looked at the driver and he's sitting in the driver's seat with his cell phone with both hands doing this, not looking not paying attention. And Darren said, Mama, that's one of the cars that's driving itself. And sure enough, the car is driving. The driver is completely oblivious. I was a little scared. I felt for a moment that I was in a scene from Back to the Future. I wasn't sure quite what was going on. I was just a little nervous that this man was in this, this car that, you know, he didn't have to pay attention to anything. But in a way, as a driver, he had become desensitized to his surroundings. He did not have to stay alert to what was happening around him because the car was thinking for him. He didn't have to worry about whether there was a stop sign or pedestrians or a crosswalk. He didn't worry about how he was going to hit someone or not because the car was thinking for him. You know, Scripture says that in the last days, knowledge is going to increase. We see that with the increase and, and the development of technology. So I ask you this morning, what happens when you don't have to think for yourself? You become desensitized. You're not as aware of what is happening around you. But what does scripture tell us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8? It says, be sober, be vigilant. What does it mean? Be alert. Pay attention. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And if you are not paying attention, if you are not staying alert, then you are right at the top of his hit list. You must stay alert because the devil loves to catch you off guard. He waits to pounce until he knows that you're not paying the least bit of attention. He watches and he plans. And when it's going to benefit him the most, he makes his move. So you must stay on the alert. Because if there is one thing that you want to be ready for, if there is one thing that you want to be watching for, if there is one thing that you want to be paying attention to, it is the signs of the times. Because Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon, friends. And the rupture can happen 
want to be ready for is the rapture of the church. We're to be watching. We're to be waiting because no man knows the day or the hour. Do not fall prey to things that seem innocent. Do not allow yourself to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Stay alert, regardless of how enticing or how inviting it may seem just because everybody else is doing it. As you told all your kids and your grandkids, it doesn't make it right. Just because it's the latest fad, it's the latest craze, it's the latest trend. Just because you think it's good for you. Just because you like the way that it makes you feel. Just because you think it's harmless. Whatever it is, measure it up to the word of God. There are a lot of funky things in the world out there. And all you have to do is look at scripture. If you're not sure if something is biblical, search the word of God. There are so many practices that have invaded our culture today and practiced by so many Christians who have adopted them because they believe it's good. It's okay. Everybody's doing it. But all you have to do is read the book of Deuteronomy and it says it's a witchcraft. Stay away from it. I want to tell you something today. The enemy knows exactly what he's doing. And he's been scheming since the fall in the garden. And so when scripture says that in the last days there will be a great falling away. And that the love of many will grow cold. Here's a news flash for you. He's not talking about people out in the world. The great falling away is going to be people that you see Sunday after Sunday. People sitting in pew after pew, in church after church, service after service, raising their hands, singing songs, saying, Jesus, you are worthy, and yet participating in things during the week that are so far from Scripture. Activities that hurt the heart of God, things that Scripture refers to as abominations, and friends, Scripture is very clear that people who practice those types of lifestyles will not inherit the kingdom of God. I might have stepped on your toes this morning, but if I did, you can take it up with Jesus. Because it's his word. Yes. And I'm accountable for what I preach to you because i got to stand before Jesus too. And when I do, I want to know that I've preached the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Friends, we have to stay alert. We have to be ready because Jesus is coming and scripture says he's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's coming for a church that's been washed in the blood, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I was listening to a sermon a couple of weeks ago from a church in Alabama and man, those people knew how to worship. They knew how to pray. And so I'm listening to this service as I'm driving nonetheless, which was a little dangerous because I got a little lost in the worship myself, but I'm I did have both of my hands on the wheel. I wasn't, I wasn't in a driverless car. And so I'm driving down the road and the preacher was preaching about the spotless bride of Christ. And all of a sudden, he just became so filled with the spirit. The anointing of God fell upon him and he started running back and forth across the stage. And he said, here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. Preparing us for the idea of what that glorious day is going to look like. And all of a sudden, the worship team rose up from behind him, and they began singing. Here comes the bride. Here comes 
slip around. Just let that sink in for a minute. The bride of Christ, spotless, sanctified. Friends, we're getting ready for a wedding. The likes of which we have never seen. Get ready. Get ready. Because it's almost time. It's almost time. When Jesus returns after the tribulation, he sets his feet on the Mount of Olives, and Scripture says that all the kings of the earth will be gathered together to wage war against him at that battle which is called Armageddon. And we know that after this, Jesus rises victorious as he already is, our triumphant king, and he will establish his kingdom here on earth where he will rule and reign during that millennial time, one thousand thousand years you and I are going to be with him isn't that something to look forward to that word millennium actually comes from two Latin words it comes from mille which means a thousand and the word annum which means years so very literally one thousand years Dwight Pentecost once said this he said there is more information in the Bible about the millennium than other any other period in Scripture but it's not something we talk a whole lot about, is it? More information in Scripture about the millennium than any other period. If you take a look at Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 5, Scripture says this. It says, you will flee by the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains will reach to Azel. Yes, you will flee just as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord, my God, will come and all the holy ones with him. Think about that picture. Sometimes in our life we feel that way, don't we? We're just running for the mountains. We're running from the chaos and everything that's surrounding us on a daily basis, but scripture assures us that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And so this paints a picture of Jesus returning with his saints. We know that the millennial reign of Christ will bring with it the salvation of Israel, God's chosen people. If you look in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 21 and 22, scripture says, and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. Behold, I am going to take the sons of Israel from among the nations where they have gone, and I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king will be for all of them, and they will no longer be two nations and no longer be divided into two kingdoms. Who is that king? It's Jesus. It is Jesus. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 says, Behold, I am going to deal at that time with all your oppressors. I will save those who live and gather the scattered, and I will turn their shame into praise and fame in all the earth. How many of you want to turn your shame into praise? Yeah. Scripture says God gives us a garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. This is the promise that the Lord has given to us. We see in Psalm chapter 73, verses 3 through 8, that at this time the Lord himself shall establish peace. Scripture says, May the mountains bring peace to the people and the hills in righteousness. 
May he vindicate the afflicted of all the people, save the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun shines, and as long as the moon shines throughout all generations. May he come down like rain upon the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. May the righteous flourish in his days as well as an abundance of peace until the moon is no more. May he also rule from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. I could not get past that verse this week. Think about it for a minute. An abundance of peace until the moon is no more. Just think about that. What a promise. An abundance of peace until the moon is no more. And then we see this incredible picture in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. Scripture says, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. Kind of hard for us to imagine, isn't it? And the leopard will lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fattened steer will be together. And a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. Imagine. And the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Imagine the day. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover. I love that. I love, I think it's the next slide. There's a picture of what, I don't know how well you can see that. A wolf and a leopard, a lion and a lamb. Imagine how peaceful. Imagine how peaceful. In Isaiah chapter 69, it's a passage, or Isaiah chapter 9, it's a passage that we often read during the Advent season. The first verse of this pertains to Christmas. It talks about, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. It's referring to the birth of the Messiah. It was prophecy given for the birth of Jesus. But I want you to listen to the rest of this as it would pertain to the millennial reign of Christ. Here's what Scripture says. The government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The Lord will accomplish this. And so when Jesus sets up his kingdom, what do we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer? As Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. Lord, we want your kingdom. We want heaven here on earth. And so when Jesus sets up his kingdom here on earth for that millennium, his kingdom will come to in New York City, across from the UN, there is a park. It was built in 1948 during the construction of the UN headquarters. 
It's there that the Isaiah wall is located and the wall bears the inscription from Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4, which says they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any Friends, I can assure you this morning that regardless of how hard they may try, it's not going to come about as the result of the United Nations. It's not going to come about as a result of the elections this week or the elections in the weeks and months and years to follow. It's not going to come about by any peace treaty that this world enters into. It will be a direct result of the millennial reign of Christ here on this earth. This is the reality of what is yet to come. If you look at Revelation chapter 19, Scripture says that his bride has made herself ready. She's made herself ready. If you look at modern translations of that verse, they translate the verse by saying bride. If you look at the original Greek or the King James Version, it says wife. His wife made herself ready. God has called his church, he's called us his bride, to make ourselves ready to meet our groom. You see, in the Greek, it was the idea of making necessary preparations for the wedding. As was Jewish custom, there was a betrothal. This was the initial part of the courtship. It was the establishment of the covenant binding man and woman as husband and wife. And so about a year after that betrothal period, the groom would take his bride to his father's house. What is it that Jesus told us in John 14 too? In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. He's gone to his father's house to prepare a place for his bride. And so then after the consummation of the marriage, guests partake in the marriage feast, which lasts for seven days. Those of you that pay for wedding receptions can only imagine a wedding reception that lasts for seven days. Lord have mercy. A wedding feast that lasts for seven days. There are many varying views out there regarding the marriage supper of the Lamb and when that's going to take place. But the question that I would ask you this morning is not when it will take place, but will you be a guest at that banquet? Will you be there? There's a chair, there's a seat at the table that's been prepared for you. But have you taken the preparations? Have you taken the time to make yourself ready? There's a quote that comes directly from our position papers. Listen to what it says regarding the millennial reign of Christ. It says the millennium will demonstrate that God's reign and government is perfect. It will replace all the failed systems of human government. Biblical prophecy indicates that Israel as a nation has a continuing place in God's plan for the end times. We believe that in some future time, the hearts of the Jews will turn in large numbers to the Messiah who died for them and for all That's the reality of why we're here today. We've turned our hearts to the one who has died for us, the one who took our place on Calvary's cross. 
lives. And so on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered together. He had a table prepared. He had seats prepared for those he was closest to, for those disciples that he had called to follow them, for his friends. And he gathered for one final meal together. And as the Apostle Paul outlines this Last Supper for us, he reminds us that each time that we partake of the bread and the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until what? Until he comes. Until he returns. And so this morning, we're going to take a moment and observe communion together. Because we want to proclaim the soon and coming return of Jesus. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so I'm going to ask that just for a moment, while this music is playing, that you just quiet your heart before the Lord. Paul tells us that we should examine ourselves before we partake of the Lord's Supper. So would you take a moment this morning? Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. But today we want to say, Lord, I know that I cannot do this on my own. I know that I've sinned against you. So Lord, today I ask you to forgive me. I believe you went to Calvary in my place. I believe that you paid a price that I could not pay. I believe that three days later you rose with my victory in hand. Would you come into my life? Would you lead and guide and direct me in Jesus? God wants to welcome you into his family today. The angels want to sing over you. But maybe you're here today and you've harbored some bitterness in your heart. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. Maybe there's some hard feelings. But you just need to say, Lord, I lay it at your feet. Would you forgive me? Would you help me to walk blameless before you? Cleanse my heart today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I can assure you today that His grace is greater. And so the Lord Jesus, in the night in which He was betrayed, He took the bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it. And He said, this is my blood which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so this morning, when you're ready, I want to invite you to come to the altar, to take your elements. You're welcome to stand, you're welcome to sit, you're welcome to kneel. But as you partake of the elements of communion this morning, would you remember the sacrifice? Would you remember the price? 
that Jesus so willingly paid for our freedom. Remember his body that was broken, bruised, beaten beyond recognition. Remember his blood that was poured out for the remission of sins. Would you come to the altar today? The altar is open. Jesus is here. And he's waiting for you to come to him this morning. Would you come? Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.